so many shows and so little time. I'm just one man. How can I possibly keep up? And now I know what I must do. I'll lock myself away, cast myself aside. They treat me like a leper, and so the leper hides. And once I fulfill my destiny, I shall return. I watched every show, every single episode. I'm all caught up and I feel superb. I watched every show. Networks, Netflix, Amazon, all of Asia. I'm overjoyed because my DVR says you watched every show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined, listeners, this is very exciting. It's the end of the year. I'm joined by my new co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, from TV.com, Mr. Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on board. I'm super excited to be here as well, and also really, really nervous, since I have some really sizable shoes to fill from your previous permanent co-hosts and also all the guest co-hosts you had. So I, I'm excited, but also really nervous. It's been so much fun to have all these different great co- guest co-hosts over the past uh, you know, few months, and I reached out to, to them. We'll be hearing from several of them over the course of this week's podcast and next week's podcast with some of their thoughts on the best TV of the year and uh, some other fun special categories that, that a few of them have come up with, which is pretty pretty entertaining. Those will be, <laughs> those will be happening in this smorgasbordy, everyone. But uh, for this week, for our top 20, um, it, it, we're just going to have so much fun just going through best of the year it seemed like the perfect time to to introduce you to our listeners as as the the new co-host of the podcast and to just kind of you know take a look back on what has been a insanely full year in tv yes uh this will be a i mean i feel like i've been on enough that some people kind of have a decent idea of how i think but now this will be like a real window into what i thought about this year and it's a scary window (laughs) well that's you know that's how you know it's interesting if it's yeah. just like what everybody thought, then I mean, come on, who needs that? It is that? not. It is not what everyone thought. And that's <laughs> always what we look for here at the Televerse: distinct and entertaining and informed opinions. So, to kick things off, uh, Noel, I'm going to throw it to you. We're going to go, listeners, through our. We've made a top twenty, uh, because at this point, top tens are useless as far as I'm concerned. Um, so we're doing a top twenty. Uh, but what we'll do is we'll quickly go through our twenty to our eleven, and then we'll dive a little bit more in depth with our our top tens uh so noel uh take it away what is you know what are your top 20 and what was your thought process in putting this all together um so my thought process is basically like i normally find like at least two or three that i feel are really locked in at the top and then everything else is just a tie and i just shuffle things around until i feel okay with the order so Truth be told, that's how my top 10 shook out. My 11 through 20, which is the first time I've had to do an 11 through 20, uh, was way more exacting, actually, with where I wanted things to be. So that was actually a really fun process. Much more fun than the top 10, which I locked in, like, in November, basically. So this was a lot of fun. So um, so should I just start with number 20? Go for and... it. Go for it. All right. Uh, my number 20 was The Flash, um, which I think just had a really great run, um, especially in the back half of 2015. Uh, the back the back half of season one. Season two has been kind of spotty, I think, just because of all the franchise setup. But the episodes in the spring part of the season were just so great and so much fun. What was your number 20? My number 20 is The Great British Bake Off. Because uh, I love that show. And because I was 
sitting with about four or five different options for my top 20 because the way I did it is, is what I've done in the past. I rented all the shows that I watched that I felt like I'd seen enough of to have an opinion. There were like 150 of those. It was insane. And then I went through and did like, don't like, meh. Then I threw out the, all the other two, those other two, and I started setting with like to really like to love to like seriously guys omg omg so did you do this like at towards the end of the year or do you do like this throughout the year because i have a big spreadsheet that's just every show i watch and then i rank it by tiers see i should do that that is so me (laughs) but but (laughs) that's what i figured you did no i left this all to uh the end of november the beginning of december uh when lists and things start having to be in for sites when they're going to be compiling and everything uh gentle listeners uh any place where you see a top 10 compiled of different people that means that that was due at least two weeks before you actually see it published um so so i had that set pretty well um at the end of november beginning of december and then of course uh at the av club you can see my top 15 tv shows the top 15 you will hear today most of them will be the same. Some of them will be different, and they will definitely be in a different order. Because I, as as we got into this week, I was reassessing and tweaking and moving things around. So, um, so so I ended up with a list of about twenty five uh, on my like, or twenty five to thirty on my. Oh, I really really love these shows. And so mm-hmm. trying to pick that last twenty number twenty spot, I just stopped agonizing over it and said, Kate, what's the show that made you the happiest to watch it? And and I went with the Great British Bake Off because it's great. Yeah, no, that's what I did with The Flash, because I was just like, is it Agent Carter or The Flash for me, for number 20? And I just went, it's, it's The Flash. Yeah, you just knew, right? Yeah, I knew, yeah. yeah, yeah. How about number 19? Um, it was Elementary, um, which had a really great year um, exploring Sherlock's addiction and the dismantling of his support system leading up to a relapse. And just the fallout from the relapse has also been really good in this this part of the season. So, And Johnny Lee Miller and um, Lucy Liu are just doing fantastic work on that show, week in and week out. So that's why it's my number 19. What was yours? I have Master of None, uh, which is uh, Aziz and Sai one that I really enjoyed discovering later in the year. By the way, Elementary, great pick. Didn't really ping to everything that had happened this year, but that's a great pick. Um, but for Master of None, it's just, again, it, I you'll see in my list listeners that i was really going for uh this year i really went for very distinct voices that those are the ones that really stuck with me at the end of the year so having uh this perspective uh that we get from from the creators that i don't feel like i'm seeing other places really made this one stand out to me and stick in my memory a bit more and this is a show that i i We'll be talking about a little bit more next week. I think it has the potential to really improve in a second season, but even the first season stood out for me. So it's my number 19. Okay, cool, cool. My number 18 was iZombie. Okay. Um, which, I mean, I've just loved from season one being about coping with change and depression and basically a middle life crisis, uh, early middle midlife crisis. And then season two has just really stepped up its game about how do you live with this new status quo as well as just being super funny um and also really emotional and really dark as well and it appears on quite a few of my smorgasbordy stuff as well so i really really loved iZombie even if it is at 18 but that tells you exactly how much how many other really good shows there were this year absolutely what did you have i have last week tonight which, uh, again, really killed it. I thought at the beginning of the year, not quite as much uh, towards the end of the year, but yeah. 
but there was so much great stuff early on that I, for me I felt like it, it should it should be there even like you say it's in, it's number 17 so that feels like we're slighting these these lower ranked shows I guess but that's but we're just, not but we're yeah. not but it, it made the cut it made the I, I zombies not on my list but last week tonight is um I'm really impressed with what they're doing over there and hopefully they'll have just as much creative energy starting next year as they did at the beginning of this year for sure, they probably will. It's my favorite YouTube show because I don't get HBO. Uh -huh. Well, hey, there you go. At least you're getting yeah. some of it. What was your number 17? Uh, Rectify was my number 17, which I think is on your list. It is very high on my list. Yeah. We will talk about it in a bit. But it, what would put it in, slipped it in here for you? Um, Just the same thing that always slips it in. It's been on my, it, it's been high on my list for the past two years. This, this is the first time it's been like not in the top 10. And I think that's just because I responded to a lot of other shows more viscerally this year than I did Rectify. But it was also, I just remembered certain images from Rectify this year more so than the actual season. Okay. And I think that's why it ended up where it did. Fair enough. Uh, for number 17, I have Nathan For You, which I mm. feel like maybe should be higher. But again, I don't have, and this is, sounds like this is the case for you. It's definitely the case for me. The shows that are ranked highest for me are the ones that I have a visceral connection to and a really yeah. strong, passionate connection to. So shows that I really am interested in or intrigued by, but I need to think about it more, I need to study it more, I need to go back and I haven't yet, those ones didn't rank as high. And that's, that's sort of where I'm at with Nathan for you. I thought it was really fantastic, really original and interesting uh, television and comedy. And I don't even know if you always call it comedy, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's it's been it's been really fascinating to think about, and I really appreciate what Nathan Fielder has spent the year doing. So at number seventeen for me, Nathan for you. How about sixteen? Uh, Manhattan this season ah. was that on yours? No, it's not or? because I'm behind. Uh, I hear the finale. Oh is no! Great, but I'm behind. Oh. It's it was so good this year. I mean, I've mentioned before when I came on right when the season had started that I was kind of lukewarm on season one, but this season has had me whole hog. Um, the moral complexities of everything and Frank's growth as a character really sold them. Plus, it became a much stronger ensemble show this year for me, and so especially the finale is just fantastic. I can't wait for you to watch it because I want to talk about it with you because it's so great. <laughs> Maybe we'll, that'll be one of those shows that I'm catching up with in our, our first uh, podcast of the new year. But uh, but no, I, I, I've heard nothing but great stuff, so I look forward yeah. to catching up with that one. For me, number 16 is The Jinx, uh, which was just such a great uh, TV-watching experience for me early in the year. And while I ha still have some question marks about <laughs> a lot of the ethics involved, it's hard to argue with, the again, the visceral feeling of watching it and just recoiling and just uh. <laughs> but i think that's great though i mean one of the things that i mean that i'm looking forward to within the new years i'm actually going to make an effort to watch like more documentary television and the jinx is one of those instances of something i haven't seen but really wanted to and probably will soon but it was one of those things where talking about ethics and documentary is always really fascinating to me and something we don't talk enough about and i think jinx is a really good study for us to start thinking about those questions especially as documentary becomes more prevalent in tv stuff fair enough how about what's your uh, number 15 uh halt and catch fire which is a show that last year would have never ever been considered and now is number 15 was it on yours it was that was one of those shows vying for number 20 
Okay. So close. No, um, yeah, right? And But, I mean, the recalibration of the show to focus on early early social networking and focusing on Cameron and, um, oh, good grief. Donna. Donna, yes, thank you. Um, just salvaged the show, basically, from being a Mad Men copy to being something really interesting and something really, really special. Yeah, and and I liked you know the, how they were treating even the late Lee Pace character and mm-hmm. and having of course, sorry guys, Scoot McNary, Donna's husband, do not remember his name, Gordon, but Gordon, and watching Gordon deal with whatever mental or physiological or psych- psychological issues he's dealing with, it was a really great season. Um, yeah. That's one of those. I'm still finalizing my best and worst chemistry category for the Smorgasbord next next week. Um, that that one's in contention there, the Cameron and and her boyfriend, because uh, they got me super invested in that super quickly. Great pick. They were really they were really nice. I was really invested. What was your number fifteen? My number fifteen is Jane the Virgin. Will that be higher on yours? That is, yeah. It's like it's it's only like a couple spots above, so we can just talk about it now. Okay, so yeah, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. It was my thirteen. So it's a great show. It's just so yeah. good. I just love it so much. Um. I, I, the reason it's not higher, last year it was top 10 for me, as I recall, but the reason it's not higher is because I'm less invested in all of the love triangle stuff, which they've kind of gone into much more heavily uh, in the start sure. of this of this year. But, I mean, it's the, the, what we got in the first half of this calendar year at the second half of the first season, and, and most of the stuff we've gotten in the fall that wasn't romance-related, I've, I've absolutely uh, loved. And, you know, watching them continue to commit to these characters and to their storytelling types it's it's been it's been fantastic and uh just every time i i feel like i start to get a little concerned the the writers just kind of usher me aside and like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay kate here's a storyline about jane as a writer you'll like that much better um (laughs) so 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 much to love about jane the virgin i it had to be on my on my list how about you what put it at 13 for you Uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned though i'm actually much better with the romance angles and i've actually really liked how they've handled her tug and pull about how to deal with both Michael and Raphael. And I've just found that dynamic and her exploration of what she, who she wants to be and how she can be everything that she's always wanted to be and how they factor into it. It's just been really fascinating to me. And also just how Mateo factors into those decisions for herself as well. And I, I just think it's a really interesting look at a woman trying to navigate her life again and figuring out what it is and i think that's just so refreshing and she's got the best possible support system ever mm-hmm. and i just regardless of what happens with the boys her those her grandmother and her mother are going to be there for her and that's all i care about that's all i need mm-hmm. yeah well we're going to hear a few thoughts um from one of one of my fabulous co-hosts uh, in the next break about Jane the Virgin, and uh, while I don't, we neither of us have the show ranked as highly as she does. I, I would, I feel pretty confident that we co-sign most of what she has to say. So that's coming soon in the first break. But first, uh, number fourteen. Number fourteen is American Crime, which is a show that I'm not seeing a lot of atten- a lot of attention getting paid to this year, uh, which is sad. Um, it's very much kind of a morality play about the American justice system and the American dream. And it's something that would fall really flat if it hadn't been for some really stellar directing from John Ridley and his direction crew and from a really talented cast of actors who take really stock characters and make them sing. 
in really powerful and compelling ways. And it's just a really stark look at how our society functions today. Um, even if it is a little melodramatic, but it's supposed to be, to get that point across. And I just re responded really viscerally to this show um, in the two-weekend two course that I caught up on it, because I didn't watch it when it was airing, because I was busy with something else. But yeah, definitely American Crime. Uh, so check out season two. Please check out season two. That's the other reason it's on here is so I can raise this profile, hopefully, so people watch season two. What was your uh, number 14? The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, or I should say Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, is that That is so much higher on mine. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk more about it later. Uh, really enjoyed catching up with it uh, again recently to watch mm -hmm. it with some of my family and uh, gave it a second look and I, it probably wouldn't have been in my top 20 if I hadn't revisited it and I would yeah. have been so wrong so we'll talk yeah. more about that in a little bit we already know your number 13 yes is so Jane's what was yours mine yeah. is justified is that higher on yours yes that is also high on mine okay yeah. so we'll we'll keep going <laughs> let's move sw swiftly on to number 12 what's your number 12 fresh off the boat nice it's yes. not on mine, but it's a great show. Oh, yeah, no. Um, just everything. The show just grew leaps and bounds in this fall season a lot. Um, when losing the actual Eddie Hung was probably the best thing for the show because it opened up its perspective a lot more. Um, but it's one of the most consistently funny shows that I watch, and it just tickles me to death. And everything Constance Wu does is pretty amazing. Yep. So yeah, I couldn't not include it. And plus, the the male the male regular singing voice to men end of the road around the dining table that right there is enough to put it on anyone's top twenty list. Will we be hearing more about that next week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it's, well, the thing is, I, I have to I had to try to remember is that the whole uh, series is from yeah. this year, so yes. the entirety of the first season and this fall season. Uh, all aired this year and was in contention. So that for me, that says how much I love the rest of the shows on my list that it's not on there. Yeah. But yeah, no, great, great show. Uh, my number 12 is Sense8. Is that anywhere Okay, no, because I haven't watched it yet, and I <laughs> haven't, and I need to, I know. So please tell me why I need to catch up on Sense8 before I catch up on anything else. Well, Sense8, the reason that I it's so high on my list is sort of the the same thing you said about just advocacy there's an element of that there for me because i really responded to it just immediately i heard heard from a lot of critics who were lukewarm until like episode four episode five but for me from i heard first... episode eight for like a lot of people yeah i don't get that because for me it was from the first uh first episode i, I really okay. I felt like i could see what they were doing and what they were trying to convey and you know the 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 cinematography, uh, uh, you know, shooting around the world was really effective and really, for me, changed the visual language of the show. And yet not having commercial breaks and all of that gave, gave a very different feel to the show than okay. many of the other shows I was watching this year. Plus, the storytelling, jumping back and forth. I mean, I'm a sucker for any sci-fi genre stuff anyways, but um, I thought they did such a great job of capturing what that must feel like. What must it feel like to be standing in a desert but feel like you're getting rained on in England. Mm -hmm. What what could what would that feel like? And th th this is a show that is obsessed with what how something feels, with what it feels like, with what it seems like in your perception. And uh, 
that's that's a topic I'm always on board uh, always on board with. So uh, I really liked that. I thought the most of the performances, most of the characters were really uh, very interesting and were a lot of fun. They had <laughs> um, some of the more entertaining peen on the screen from this year. Um, <laughs> delightful, hilarious moment there. Um, and it just the the sense of camaraderie and fun to parts of this was also really great. Uh, I'm I'm a sucker for for many of the pet themes of this show, so there's okay. that. But um, again, this is a show all about connection and and humanity and what we are as a species as and as a person and uh, it, it, from a person to, from each person across the world what connects us and what separates us and uh, and. I'm very interested in that as a theme and the way that they explore that I think works incredibly well. Uh, so I can't, I was just on tenterhooks uh, as they were not giving it a season two, uh, you know, so eventually they did. I'm very glad that it'll be coming back for season two, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on board with sense eight and I hope if you do check it out, you let me know where you fall. Cause I yes. know, I know it's, I just read other, other reviews and I'm just like, but but the stuff that you love from episode four or episode five or episode eight or nine, that's for me, it's all in episode one too. So um, I look okay. forward to your thoughts if you catch up, but first I want to hear what you, what you have for your number 11. Unreal. Ah, it's not even on mine, but it's a good pick. Oh no. Unreal is one of those shows where I let it build up for a little bit. Um, but it was also one of those shows when I heard the premise, I just, I don't even watch the bachelor. Why would I watch this? But then enough people were talking about it, and I heard enough good things that I checked it out, and just one of the best shows this year, period, hands down. Um, just a really interesting look at behind-the-scenes behind stuff. Not only, like, a good drama about people working in television, but a really good drama about how television manipulates us as audiences, which is also really fascinating, and how that functions. And it was also just refreshing to see really screwed-up women coping with being really screwed up as opposed to seeing really screwed up men coping with being screwed up as well and that's always like really nice to see and i have just really great performances from Constance zimmer and um cheery cheery appleby cheery appleby yeah. yep yeah yeah so just really really great stuff and i'm really excited to see what they have planned for season two yeah, there. I, I really was a fan of the show. It lost me more as it went along. I was way more sure. interested in the 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 process of the yeah. reality show. And so when they backed more off of that and and really steered into some of the relationship dynamics uh, and and getting closer in. I mean, getting closer in on the Constance Zimmer and Sherry Appleby relationship that was great for me. But I was less yes. invested in all the 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 other romantic woes. Um, yeah. So that's why it's I can not. See that quite on it didn't quite make the cut for me but uh yeah i, I co-sign everything that you said yeah. it's just wonderful to be in a situation this year where i feel like i don't have to have it on my list just to have a show like that a show that is interested in female characters on my list um but yeah i'm looking forward to season two as well my number 11 is bojack horseman not on mine because i haven't seen any of it ah well it had a fantastic second season it really uh took the energy and the 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 depth of the last por portion of the first season and embrace that in the second season i loved the 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 introspection and the look at depression and just bojack's inability to be happy or be content and his his befuddlement and confusion at other people's ability to be happy and just 
watching him try to figure out if he's broken or what is so wrong about him or all of these different things because on paper he has everything that a person could need to be a happy person and he's not better um the the message of the season which comes through in the the run there's a theme of running and jogging throughout the season the way that that comes back in the finale is wonderful it's one of those quotes that if you had a room of of inspirational quotes that Mm -hmm. one should be in bold (laughs) big letters have that be like a poster board across like over your your closet or over your desk or something um because it's so true i'm not going to say it in case you watch the show because it's such a great moment but um yeah it's it this is a show about a talking horse who wants to be an act, uh, who, who, who wants to play secretariat and be a serious actor, but isn't sure that he actually is a decent actor at all and uh, has all sorts of messed up relationships. It's a show where Paul F. Tompkins plays Mr. Peanut Butter, uh, who hosts a reality show. Uh, celebrities, do they know stuff? Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> it's just something like that. I, I, I think I'm missing a question in there. Uh, but it is delightful and so much fun. And again, if you if you catch up with it, I look I really look forward to your thoughts because which one should I catch up on first? Then Sensei or BoJack Horseman? BoJack Horseman. Okay. You catch up on I'll BoJack first, that. and then you can. So it depends on how you're feeling. Half hour okay. animated comedy, or uh, or you know just trippy, crazy Sensei. You know, like it's very different things. Sure, but I mean, you know that. Tr- animation animated comedy is not even like a barrier for me oh no 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 um so let's just go again quickly through 20 to 11 just list them off and then we'll take a break and we'll come back with our top 10 so noel go for it uh the flash is number 20 elementary is number 19 eye zombie as number 18 rectify is number 17 manhattan is number 16 halt and catch fire is number 15 american crime is number 14 jane the virgin is number 13 Fresh Off the Boat as number 12, and Unreal as number 11. And for me, The Great British Bake Off at 20, Master of None at 19, Last Week Tonight at 18, Nathan For You at 17, The Jinx at 16, Jane the Virgin at 15, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt at 14, Justified at 13, Sense 8 at 12, and Bojack Horseman at 11. So much great TV. I love how little So much overlap. great TV. Yeah, I know. It's really great, isn't it? It's very <laughs> exciting. So listeners, now we're going to take a break and we'll listen to some music from this year's TV as well as some uh, comments and thoughts on the year's TV from some of the previous uh, few months co-hosts. And we'll be right back with our top ten. Come to the end of the road. Still I can't let go, it's unnatural, you belong to me, I belong to you. Girl, I'm here for you. All those times at night when you just hurt me and just ran off that other fellow, baby I knew about it, just didn't care. Hi, this is Elena, contributor to Pop Optic, and my favorite show of 2015 is Jane the Virgin. There are a lot of reasons I love Jane the Virgin. I love the way that it makes me feel when I watch it. I just, every time I turn on an episode, I feel joyous and excited and happy and so ready to see what kind of pregnancy fashion Petra is wearing. I also love watching the characters and the way that the show moves through their life. Uh, Watching a strong Latina family that has multiple generations that all are learning from one another and their life experiences 
that is something that I never thought I would see on television, um, at least not in my lifetime. And I'm so excited that it's on TV and that I get to be a part of that as I'm watching it um, and see people that look like me and look like my cousins and my grandparents and my family be on television and speak Spanish, no less. I thought that that would never happen outside of like a PBS documentary. I love Jane Villanueva as a character. I think she's like the spirit successor to Leslie Nope. Um, kind and compassionate and driven and ready for whatever comes next. Motherhood, a love triangle, defeating a drug lord, whatever happens. The show is so many things. It's a soap opera. It's a romance. It's a comedy. It's a skewering of Hollywood through Rogelio. It's a cop show sometimes. It's a mystery. But all of those things are grounded in real emotions, in family, in trust, in love, in forgiveness. And that is why it's my favorite show. Um, not because it's maybe the flashiest or the most thought-provoking show on television, but because it brings me a lot of joy. And that is why Jane the Virgin is my favorite show of 2015. Everything's falling into place. I'm right where I should. Times of life are many here, and that's why I'm not scared. I know the answer will appear. Let's go in the garden, you'll find something waiting right there where you left it lying upside down when you finally find it you'll see how it's faded the underside is lighter when you turn it around everything stays right where you left it everything stays but it still changes ever so slightly daily We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolzik and my wonderful co-host, Noel Kirkpatrick. I'm gonna, it's going to take a while until I get tired of saying that, if I ever do. <laughs> no, you'll, you'll get tired of it. Most people are really tired. I mean, we're going to do this every week. I'm, you're going to find out that I'm going to be much better in like once a month doses. You're <laughs> we'll going to be like, see. oh, God, this guy again. Why did I do this? I should have picked someone else. Well, maybe we won't then. If we're talking every week. We won't go three hours every time. It's like... Oh, we are not going three hours every time. (laughs) I say knocking on wood. Yeah. Well, let's uh, continue. In the the interest of not going three hours every time, let's continue with our top ten. So, so Noel, what do you have at number ten for this year in TV? The Hundred. This wasn't on my list originally at all um, because I thought they only aired, like, four episodes in 2015. (laughs) And then I went back and I went, oh, they aired a lot of episodes in 2015. Terrific. I have an excuse to put this on here. Um, But no, this is like, I think for me, the best science fiction show currently on. And I know a lot of folks get like really angry and grumpy about the science on the show, but it's just like, nah, I don't care about that. It's a really compelling look at survival and um, what, what we have to do to survive, basically, in the face of adversity, in the face of one another. 
and the politics of it are just really great. I mean, it's truly the successor to Battlestar Galactica's early seasons, anyway, without all the weird mythologism of that floats around Battlestar Galactica and ended up killing the show. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's really great. It's really well acted, um, and it looks great. Um, I mean, they managed to make just shooting in the woods look amazing every week. Um, and yeah, it's just the most interesting show that I don't get to watch live because I'm always reviewing another show when it's on, <laughs> which is going to be still the case this year. <laughs> but no, so it's great. I really love The 100. Um, what's your what's your number 10? And why wasn't The 100 on your number 10? The the 100's not on my list uh and it didn't it like didn't make past I like it. So it didn't even make it to like I really like it space. And th I want to like the hundred so much more than I do. Sort of like iZombie. I uh -huh. I want to like it so much more than I do. But with the hundred specifically, I thought it started out. I mean, we all know those first few episodes are way too like way too many CW notes for a while. Yes, but then episode four and five. Yeah, then it that's when in. it kicks in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I agree on that. Um, but for me, it does all this really interesting stuff early on, and then at a certain point. Uh, it takes all of these rules it has established uh, as a viewer, like the things it's taught you to expect from it, like mm -hmm. anything can happen. And the, uh, you know, the, every solution, actually, every everything that they do, there's a more interesting or creative twist around the bend and just stops doing that because everybody can't, anybody can't die anymore on the show. That's not a thing that happens anymore. After that one significant death that, you know, we're not going to mention because spoilers. Right. Um, just about everything that's happened has felt incredibly predictable. And I, I feel like they've, they've walked into Walking Dead territory where um, there are too many characters that are off limits. Okay. Murphy shouldn't be alive, but Murphy but Murphy's can't die. Great! I mean, they found like the best way to use Murphy by teaming him with Jaha. Well, yeah, but ja <laughs> he should also be gone. So Jaha should be gone. I agree with that. The fact that Jaha was still alive, I just went. But Shonda Rhimes had no problems killing this guy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't remember. Did, did he die on Grey's Anatomy, I think or was he, he just, just left? Just left. Okay. Didn't he just abandon her at the altar? Wasn't that, like... I can't remember. I didn't watch. I, I've never really watched Grey's Anatomy really consistently. So See, I just need to call Caroline Sita. She she she's like yeah, yelling she at know. she's yelling at her iPod right now. I'm sure. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but no. So for me, that's why it's not on. I it, sure. I keep wanting to like it more than I do, and I like certain elements of it, certain aspects of it. But I feel like it needs. Um, and I and I'm the only critic that I know who watches it because I do regularly watch it. Uh, who feels this way? Because the rest of y'all love it and and proselytize for it, and I wish I could love it as much as you guys do. So hopefully it'll come back this next year, and I'll just say I was drinking the crazy juice and I'm back on board. But that's why it's not in my top ten. Um, instead, at number ten, I have Steven Universe. Is that on your list? Yes. Okay, we'll talk about it more later. I love me some yes. Steven Universe. <laughs> Okay. I do too. <laughs> Next up is number nine. What do you have, sir? Um, Inside Amy Schumer. Okay. No. Oh gosh, no overlap. This no overlap really this year. It's this crazy. is great. Yeah. Um, no. Um, Inside Amy Schumer is probably for me. It's oddly like the successor to Thirty Rock in a lot of ways, in that it's this very singular way of looking at the world through this one woman's lens. 
even though understanding that there are other writers and everything and this sort of thing, but it's such a specific look at our culture and our society and the politics of all those things through Amy's lens, uh, Amy Schumer's lens as Amy, that it's just, it's really compelling. It's really funny. It's really sharp. Um, 12 Angry Men Inside Amy Schumer is one of the best episodes that aired this year, period. It's just gorgeously shot. And the entirety of that episode is just a st stirring indictment of our media culture. And even using the 1960 settings for it is just like saying, this was true then and it's still really, really true now. And it's just, it indicts all of us in the sexual politics of discrimination and objectification. And it's just really, really great. And it's really funny at the same time. And that's why it's on here for me. Yeah. What was, your, what was your number nine? Or how did you feel about Schumer? I, I thought it was great. I uh, really, um, really enjoyed it. The reason it's not on my top 20 is that for me, it started out like absolutely amazingly, really fantastic for a few weeks and then mm -hmm. petered out creatively. So uh, I went with the average rather than the high for for, okay. for my, my list uh, this year. So. Uh, we will be talking about it next week, at least okay. a few times. But uh, all right, I mean, you already said Twelve Angry Men is Amy Schumer. Let's not forget uh, uh, Last Fuckable Day. Oh God, so good, Let's, so good. <laughs> the the fight we get with um, uh, fighting like a girl, uh, yeah. the training uh, or the Friday Night Lights. Was that this? That was yes, that was this season. That was the season. Don't rape. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. I love it so much. And uh, the giant wine just progressively. <laughs> Yep. Hi, y'all. Yeah, no. Her Mrs. Coach is just delightful. Um, and I didn't even watch Friday Night Lights. Like, I, I've only seen the first season of that show and just went, no, this isn't for me. But that, that sketch is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of great Inside Amy Schumer. But unfortunately for me, not enough to put it on my list. Instead, at number nine, I it's my list. It's our podcast. Uh, it's our list, I should say. Uh, I'm cheating and putting Banana and Cucumber together onto one slot. Now, have you watched either of these shows? No, I hadn't heard of these until I read some of your ballot on the AV Club. So tell me about Banana and Cucumber. Now, Banana and Cucumber, and there's also Tofu, which uh, is a third, like, sister series that is a web-only, um, I think it's, like, a documentary or informational uh, series, like, nonfiction. Um, unfortunately, okay. I was not able to to get or, or to, to see Tofu, so I, I can't talk speak to how that uh, informs the the group but B banana is an anthology comedy series okay and cucumber is an hour-long drama and All they're right. both set in the same circle uh of the the gay community in manchester and uh lesbian and transgender and queer uh so in that community in uh, in manchester and what's fascinating about the series is that uh, now I, I, as i understand the way you're, you're theoretically supposed to watch it is first episode first episode second episode second episode like that i watched all of banana and then i watched all of cucumber and these shows intersect in really interesting ways so you take somebody you know because banana is an anthology series you'll ta take a character who gets four lines in an episode of cucumber but they get an entire episode of banana all about their story and their life and what they have going on banana really explored a moment or an, an evening in a person's life uh there's several different sort of just standalone stories about different people every week and different relationships 
and they were all really satisfying really interesting and uh really touching and then you go over to cucumber and it's a serialized drama about uh this main character who has how does how to phrase it who who has some issues he's got some stuff he's in a long-term relationship that uh uh, has some underlying issues, mainly that he doesn't like to have sex. And um, so that becomes an issue for his partner of eight years. And they're, they've come to the point of, are they going to get married? Everybody sort of expects that they will. Are they going to break up? What do they each need from the relationship? What do they, you know, like they do lots of things. They just don't have sex. And um, what you know who are these people who is this guy we at about halfway through the season you get this this turn um that i wasn't expecting at least that takes it off into a whole other area but we get this main character we get these this group of friends around him um and there's this exploration of identity and of of power and of homosexuality and and what being gay means to this to this man um and to the people he surrounds himself with and the at the very end the it's got one of the best buttons last lines of the entire year uh which really kind of puts everything in 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 context a little bit more but it's it's a fantastic pair of series from russell t davies who people will know from rebooting doctor who um, yep. He was the first showrunner of the new Doctor Who, as well as um, he uh, also did uh, Queer as Folk UK, uh, which mm-hmm. I also really, really liked. And there's a little bit of overlap with that as well. But uh, but the, this exploration of of identity and of uh, happiness and of anger and all these different topics, while paired with the narrative opportunities of having a sister series that's completely standalone with a, you know with a sister series that is completely serialized it's really fascinating storytelling and uh i think more people should check it out and i could be overselling it who knows i haven't revisited it since the beginning of the year or, or i should say it aired in the beginning of the year i watched it around may june so I, I haven't revisited since then maybe it wouldn't wouldn't hold up but i remember it very fondly and i think it's a really creative way to tell a story that i haven't really seen anybody else do so that's why it's on my list uh if if you listeners if you watch it reach out i'd like to know i'm not the only one out there i know it was reviewed over at the av club but they didn't like it as much as i did um so maybe maybe it's just me but that's my number nine what's your number eight uh my number eight is jessica jones which we talked about uh pretty extensively a, a few weeks ago so i won't dive too heavily into this um but just that this was a show that just I really, really responded to, um, particularly in the back half, um, but just Kristen Ritter and David Tennant's performances, as we talked about, were just real powerhouse stuff. And I just, the overall thematic and metaphorical weight of the show just, for me, pulled it away from any of the other structural issues of going, this really could have been eight episodes, guys. You didn't need those extra five, really. Um, But... I think that there's enough stuff within those other five episodes, barring everything with Robin and the other neighbors, um, that the overall heft of the show, I think, makes up for any other other of its shortcomings. And it's just, it's one of the best things Marvel's put out, I think. And I just, it's really, really good. I'm not entirely sure 
going forward how she fits in with Daredevil and Iron Fist, but it also just made me even more excited about the Luke Cage TV series that we're going to get next year. Uh, I still am so happy about that casting. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. But no, so Jessica Jones, um, just a really great exploration of rape, consent, uh, femininity, masculinity, and all its failings, and why patriarchy is terrible, and all that sort of stuff. And that's why it's at number eight. Um, what was your number eight? My number eight is Mad Men. So no, totally not on my list, but I also haven't watched since season four. Well, fair so. enough. Fair enough. I thought it was a really strong end to the season. I loved the finale too, I, and all the all the conversation and uh, uh, strife that came with the finale just entertained me. Um, but I, I thought it was a really strong way to go out. I liked that uh, they they took a left turn and just sent Don off on his own thing at the end instead of keeping him in New York and and tying everything in in it a neat bow in that same way it gave me such a like the, the closing arc with peggy i really loved they they again they took a, a path i wasn't expecting from the take with joan that i also really loved and so i felt like all the main characters got um really got treated very respectfully and got interesting things to do uh i mean the stuff they get, were giving just uh, january jones to do with with betty towards the end was i thought fantastic and i thought she nailed it um there's a lot of very uh you know there's only seven episodes but i thought they used those seven episodes really well and you know i liked that, that rather than reintroduce strife after they spent so much time in the previous half season getting peggy and don to a good place i like that they just kind of went okay they're fine we don't need to touch on that now. We'll have them interact a few more times, but they're they're good. So instead, let's let's have Don, you know, his last arc not be getting, uh, you know, coming together with with Peggy and re and affirming that relationship, not having it be getting back together with Betty or, or or finding any of these previous lost loves, but have it be him trying to come to some understanding of himself, yeah. uh, and and fully having to accept that the past is gone. There is no person left who he has a stable relationship with, who knew him as Dick. Uh, and so he needs to be okay with Don. I, like, I, I thought that that, you know, regardless of what each person thinks the ending means, I thought that the exploration of that was very effective and a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so that's why it's my, that's why it's my number eight. So did he, did, do you think that he made that Coke ad? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't that's care That's my only question. That's my only question I can ask you about that because that's all I know about it. Uh, fair enough. Well, then there's going to be quite a few uh, moments next week that uh, that I don't need to worry about you having for the Smorgasbord G because you haven't seen them. So, so no. we will have less overlap yeah. next week. It'll be a good thing. Uh, what is your number seven? Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is my number seven. Um, just a really funny, sharp ensemble workplace comedy um, with cops. Um it's in part here because this is a show that I was convinced I wasn't going to like at first because I didn't like Andy Samberg. And now I'm just like, why didn't I like Andy Samberg? What the hell was wrong with me? This is great. He's really funny. But no, the rest of the cast is just really solid. And Andre Brower is just massively funny. Um, but the season has just been really good about exploring what Jake has to do to become a ma more mature person sometimes not totally all the time because then it wouldn't be as interesting 
but and this over the course of uh season two and into season three the show's just become a really strong ensemble comedy as well i mean even hitchcock and scully have just been given more to do other than just being kind of the weird old guys at their desk even though they're still kind of the weird old guys at their desk but it's just a really funny show with a really diverse cast and the other really great thing i love about brooklyn 99 is that it's a show that you can pair people off and it'll still be really really good regardless of who they get paired with and every pairing is just sharp and really funny and just crackerjack type stuff sparks and it never fails to make me laugh every Sunday, but soon to be every t- Thursday when I actually get time to watch it after I review other things now. <laughs> Damn you for moving it, Fox! Um, so no, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is my number seven. What was your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Hannibal. Is that on your okay, list? Okay, let's talk about, let's go ahead and talk about Hannibal because Hannibal is my number five. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll just also quickly say Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a show that I really like every time I watch it. And then I, I don't forget have, about I it. I forget. And then I watch it and I, I think it's absolutely one of the most underrated comedies on television. Doesn't get anywhere near enough respect. Uh, perhaps including on my list I was about here. to say from you. <laughs> but, but the I don't have you'll notice I don't have very many other comedies. I have a few, but not yeah. very many comedies ahead of it on my list. Um, but I, I think it's tremendous, and you know I always enjoy when I get to catch up on it. So uh, yeah, great pick. But Hannibal right. is my number. Yeah, seven. let's talk about Hannibal for three hours now. All right, so, <laughs> so you know, listeners, uh, see our uh, epic, epic um, podcast about uh, the whole series if you want more on this. But uh, we can keep this comparatively brief because we already know what we think. Yeah, we already know. <laughs> Not big on the, the finale, but so yes. much of this season was so fantastic Fan- yeah. uh, beautiful storytelling gorgeous visuals fantastic acting really yeah. great uh writing the the score y'all know i love the hannibal score uh in the soundtrack as well more on that next week we, we also have um just e- just things like the suits the directions the fact that they- this is a show that really really embraces the individuality of the director that i can watch a hannibal episode and say this is the person who directed this is a david slate episode this is a vincenzo natale episode this is uh, a show that was doing stuff that nobody else in television is doing or for the most part has done and that's a hard thing to say at this point there's a crap ton of tv so any show that is this distinct that is this interested in in so much of again like i was saying with sensate an identity and and the 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 soul and the person and what where one person begins and another person ends what is influence what agency can we have in our own lives there's so much that the show is exploring and uh yes it can be pretentious but i love that shit so i don't care it's uh, a good kind of pretentious it's not the bad kind of pretentious like fargo it's it's you notice fargo nowhere ne- near either of our list um yeah. it's 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 curious and it's interested yeah and i will take just that like hannibal <laughs> how about you why is it on your list um, pretty much everything that you just said, I mean, the only reason it is wasn't higher in mine, because it's been like the number one, number two show, it was my number one show two years ago, it was my number two show two years last year, and now it's number five, and I mean, a lot of it just had to do with the fact that that split structure just really kind of killed it for me a little bit, um, 
and I wasn't particularly, as we discussed at length, the finale, especially the last 10 minutes of the finale, um, are just kind of a weird, bizarre bit of fan fiction that the show didn't completely earn. Um, but it's still easily one of the most compelling shows on TV. It was just that this year I couldn't get past some of my hangups with the show. And I couldn't just be Bedelia not giving any fucks. <laughs> Don't, as much as we all want to be Bedelia not Bedelia giving any fucks. not giving any fucks, right. Yeah. That's, that's like all of our, like, you know, goal states is that level is, of not fuck giving. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, and let's just, I mean, the other big thing about Hannibal is just, like, let's just be happy it's got Jillian Anderson, like, really rolling on television again. Mm-hmm. Because that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait to see what pretty much everybody involved in this show on some level does next. I can't wait for the next Brian Fuller show. I can't wait for the next uh, for the next uh, Brian Reitzel score. I can't wait. I used to have his name at the top of my head. Uh, the Christopher, I want to say Christopher, something that starts with maybe an S. I don't, I'm, the, the costumer, I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what each of these performers does next and to go back and and rediscover uh the the mass mickelson uh catalog of which i've seen like two things it's like valhalla rising and like that's it uh but i need to rewatch it now that i know who he is as a performer um, <laughs> as well as just just there's so much to love about this show and uh my I, I, it wasn't because i had such a bad taste in my mouth from the finale for the longest time it wasn't like even really it didn't come to mind for me as one of those like Shows yeah. that, of course, should be in my very top echelon. But as soon as I got over myself a little bit, I was like, no, right. Kate, who are you kidding? This has to be there. Right. I had the same issue with it. It was just like, I did like my first four shows that we'll get to. And I just went, Hannibal's not in this top four. Huh. All right. It's going to be five. And that's going to be like the transition point to the rest of the list is how I'm structuring this, because it needs to be here. But I was also just like, I can't, I don't feel good about putting it any lower than that, mm -hmm. just based on my connection to the show and the, for the past three years of how much it's just, I've really responded to it. And I mean, a lot of its placement is just like honorary. You, you were good. You were this <laughs> unique unicorn that had no business existing on TV, let alone broadcast TV. And just... I'm going to hug you and fall over a cliff with you right now. <laughs> but there were four other shows that were just better. a little bit better this year. Yep, yep. And for me, it was six. But yeah. uh, but that is Hannibal, uh, gentle listeners. What is your number six, Noel? Let's talk about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt together. Woohoo! Woohoo! Oh my god, so good. Yeah, right? I'm, this is just one of those shows where I came in just knowing Titus uh, Burgess from his turn on 30 rock and then knowing carol kane from everything but i didn't know ellie kemper from a hole in the ground because i never watched the office um so this was just one of those things where this was just a really fun show about again dealing with trauma in the best way possible which is a bit big been i think an increasingly large trend within television um but especially this year dealing with trauma and depression um but this was just a really funny show that just I love 30 Rock. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. So this felt like a really great successor to that show as well from Tina Fey and Robert Carlock in that it's about this woman who's trying to put her life back together. And it's a great excuse for us, for them to, 
skewer contemporary culture in a way that doesn't feel forced because she just doesn't have any of these references. So she's just like, I'm not up to date on Hanson's greatest hits. I haven't been to Sam's Goodies since 1998. And it's just like, yes, that is fantastic. Babysitter's just, Club, man. Right, exactly. Or just the fact that she says Beyonce with a French accent so she doesn't get hassled by waitresses in restaurants. I mean, just all this really fun stuff. I mean, there are like little weird, squishy, not so great parts about it with the Jack Jacqueline stuff. Um, but it's just so funny and sh just, I keep saying sharp, but it's just really pointed satire of us. And also just daddy's boy, man. <laughs> daddy's boy. It's just really, really funny. And it, it is up to rewatch so incredibly so well. well. Listeners, if you've watched it once and you haven't gone back. Yeah. Go back and watch it again because you will find a lot. I'm guessing. I, I don't no, know. No, you, you will. The, you will find more depth. You will find a lot more going on because it's so fast because uh, yeah. the, the show just matches her uh, rather scattered but very enthusiastic. Yes. and Because and, uh, uh, when you first watch it, it just seems like she's very hyper. But it's not that no. as you realize you think about it more. It's that she's been underground, unable to do or see or experience anything but horrible trauma for 15 yeah. years so of course she kind of just explodes when she gets back above ground and horrible trauma that she dealt with for 10 seconds at a time which is one of my favorite things about that show is just her advice about you can deal with anything for 10 seconds at a time see and it's just like holy shit i can deal with things for 10 seconds at a time and it's just it just really like spoke to me and even like it's more like when it veers into slight drama territory of like when her dad comes back with other Kimmy, beautifully played by um, Kieran Shipka. Um, just the guest casting on that show is just so good. It's so good. And it just, it found ways to do really emotional, not like super, super emotional stuff, but su emotional stuff that's enough for this kind of a sitcom. And I just, I loved it. And it just made me laugh really hard because I ended up watching almost all of it again with a friend of mine in September when I visited her. And we just watched it while we ate dinner or like in between conversations. And it was just like, this is a really good show. I know. Thank you for telling me about it. And <laughs> it's just, it's really, really good. I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I, it's one of those ones I can't wait to see what they do in season two now that oh, they know God. that they're with Netflix. Yeah. And I mean... I don't even know that they'll change. I don't even know that I want them to change that much now mm. that they're on Netflix. Because, I mean, the show just worked really well as a show that was going to be on NBC. And that's the other thing that I think is just really interesting about the show is that they sold it to Netflix after going, oh, this isn't going to be for us. Instead, we're going to do Mr. Robinson. Oh, yeah. kudos, NBC. Kudos. At least they did the Carmichael show. But, well, but to recognize that this does right. not work for us, but this is too good a show to not do yes. something with. Correct. I mean, they didn't burn it off in the summer. They're just like, we can find this a new home. Mm -hmm. And that, that speaks a lot about both the leadership at NBC, but also just how hungry Netflix is to compete as well. And I think that there's a really good industrial story around Kimmy Schmidt that we obviously we're not talking about too much with industrial type stuff, but I mean, there's a good industrial story about what Kimmy Schmidt represented this year as a show that ended up on Netflix and should have been on broadcast type yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we're going to be talking again. I keep saying this. We're going to be talking about certain moments from that next week. Uh, also, a bit more about Ellie Kemper's amazingness next week. Yes. But for now, my number six is Broad City. Is this anywhere okay. for you? No. Um, and I felt really bad about leaving it off. It was like number 22 probably this year. Mm -hmm. But no. So, I mean, make me feel bad that it's not on my top 20, please. Because I feel I already feel pretty bad. So make me feel worse. Now, when I had it in my uh, ranking over DAV Club, it was my number two. And I dropped it okay. down to number six because the dog wedding episode wasn't really that good. No. But the rest of the season was phenomenal as far as i'm concerned i loved the way that they continue to explore who these two women are as yes. individuals as a codependent mess together um this is a show that had a pegging episode can we like remember that for yes, a moment yes we should always remember the pegging episode that is a thing that happened it's amazing yeah i mean it's just this we it's not weird it's just this insanely idiosyncratic look at sexual sexual mores and sexual proclivities in a way that isn't judgmental and when it veers into judgmental it goes no 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 no, you don't get to do that mm -hmm. and then it just like she wants to be receptive to it and then she fucks it up by being overly receptive <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it washes it and it's custom made and it's just it's so good it's so good well i love that this is an episode that takes an issue or a like a, something like pegging and turns it into no we're actually going to talk about hipsters is what yes. this is going to really be about <laughs> and then to t that same episode of course has that wonderful subplot where we we, we find out uh that that bob balaban Su and Susie essman are are, are alana's parents which is perfect and we get yes. the, the, the 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 bag going to shop for the bag i mean there's this, I'm just talking about one episode. This is the one, of course, that will come to mind for most people. But this whole season, I thought, has been was was for the with the exception of the internet and the dog wedding thing. The whole season I thought sure. was really good. I loved the the citizenship episode that we get as well. Yes. There's, there's a lot of you know. This is one of those shows that for me was came out right out of the gate so strong at the beginning of the year. I really liked the first season of Broad City, and last year uh, at the end of the year we were talking about. Can it sustain that? Will it come to a new level in the, in the second season? And I thought they, you know, they really came out out the gate swinging. We had <laughs> we found out about Abby's boss at the gym having a secret porn backstory. We found out which was really good. Yeah, so very <laughs> highly entertaining. Um, we found uh, like Seth Rogen dropped by in the premiere just randomly to be entertaining, and they had to get air conditioning. And as someone who grew up without air conditioning, I got air conditioning uh, living in the suburbs of Chicago, by the way, listeners, where most of the summers of my childhood, there'd be like a week where it was over 100 degrees and horribly, uh, horribly humid. Uh, so I know well the feeling of just lying on a concrete floor in the garage because that's where it's coldest, waiting for the oscillating fan to reach you and come back. So like I, the episodes like their air conditioner episode really spoke to me as well. I just thought it had a fantastic second season and I had so much fun uh, with the ladies of Broad City. So I can't see what wait to see what they do next next year. I mean, come on, Val, Val. Oh, oh, see, now I feel really bad about leaving it off. Thanks, Kate. There I we go. That. There we go. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, let's let's listen to a little Val and we're going to take a break and come back with our top five. So get your troubles. Come on, get happy. Give it a chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. Shut up. 
is Emily Stevens. Thanks for having me on the podcast in 2015. And here's to a happy new year. 2015 was a remarkably full, remarkably fine year for television. And even in this overstuffed field, one show stands out for me. Review on Comedy Central follows professional life critic Forrest McNeil, played by Andy Daly, as he performs tasks assigned by viewers and rates those putatively random experiences on a five-star scale, never realizing how his tacit desires shape those experiences. The first season was howlingly funny, but in its second season, Review became both a great comedy and a truly great tragedy. Andy Daly's genius is his ability to make Forrest excruciatingly relatable, even as his stubborn self-delusion brings disaster down on him and everyone he cares about. Review, five stars. And Kate, talking with you, always five stars. Thanks, and Happy New Year. To my eyes, you're perfect, and I think you should know that you don't need no lipstick, you don't need no blush, cause you've got that natural glow. Magazines say that you're whack, girl, don't believe you. Just leave that tabloid trash on the rack, girl, don't you breathe out. You're beautiful, and who cares what they think? Now watch that love and face off in the scene, in the scene, girl. Once more with our top 20 of of the year and this uh, now we're up to the top five now we've already talked uh about your top five uh in depth yes. here but of course uh, <laughs> this is our design elsewhere with with the fabulous sean coletti as well uh oh, so sean. my number five is looking is this on your list i don't i don't have hbo so no it is not on my oh, list one of these days, i haven't seen any of it you'll catch up on dvd and you'll be like this should be uh, it should have been on my list if i could time travel it now would um <laughs> looking is a fantastic show and it's i wrote about it for the av club um the little blurb about it and i had a really hard time because i had about 100 words 150 words and it's for me. It's a really show, uh, difficult show to crystallize into that few words, either fewer or more, but not that exact number. And what I one of the things I love about looking is that in this era of peak TV, more and more shows have responded to the glut of of interesting and creative television by demanding viewership, by raising the stakes. By get, grabbing viewers by the throat and not letting them stop watching. Even if maybe we'd like to because they haven't earned it, we keep watching. But Looking is a show that says, 
Oh, hey, cool. No, no, it's cool. Uh, we're gonna go do this thing. You wanna come? Oh, no, you're busy. That's fine. We'll, we'll just be over here. And, and it's it's so relaxed and breezy. It tells this... It, it, it doesn't uh, raise the stakes through... Um, and then there's a... Uh, somebody gets shot. or and then, and then we get a secret reveal of this or that or the other. It's instead absolutely committed to its characters. Absolutely committed to the reality of their lives. And to incremental change and steps forward. Watching this season as each of the characters started making steps towards new versions of themselves for better and for worse for the most part for better which is just let me say i love that there's a show that actually has people making choices that will make them better i feel like that sure. doesn't happen anywhere near enough on t on television but watching well, because getting better is boring <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're not the right not a good enough writer yeah, yeah uh definitely but um watching this i mean watching this show just move forward towards um characters who are more together in their lives and more aware of who they are and what they need and what they want to be watching patrick you know have this this intense soup like ridiculous ridiculous uh shipping and chemistry with russell tovey's character um with with kevin and watching him work himself into an ulcer because he's the other man and he just can't deal with what that means and so he's like giving himself an eating disorder in the background it doesn't come up you just sort of notice that all of a sudden he's eating all of the carbs and just every now and again they comment on how he's eating noodles again but that's it um the way that the show trusts its audience to to pick up on those things the way that these actors know these characters so incredibly well it's it's a relaxing show that also completely engrosses you so this like i say i said over the av club it has a really breezy tone a really passive tone even like you're watching a play and the camera just swings over to catch what's happening mid-action but at the same time it is absolutely invested in in who these characters are and it wants you to be as well so um it's a gorgeous show to look at. It has a fantastic soundtrack. Really great supporting cast. Uh, every, I mean, every ad I see for CSIL, uh, CSI New Orleans, I just am like, hey, you know what? After his fantastic work on on uh, on Quantum Leap and on uh, uh, and and of course on on Looking these past two years, Scott Bakula can get all the paychecks he wants. I'm just happy, you know, that we got him for a part of a season this year on Looking. Um, I'm I'm so glad that they're getting a movie to wrap things up. Not like it it would have ended nicely if they didn't, but uh, I'm just glad we're getting more time in this world. And at some point, I'll just have to send you the DVDs when they come out <laughs> so you can watch it. But I I just I mean it's just such an easy marathon, such an easy binge because it's just wonderful to be in that world. It's just such a chill show while also having so much stakes and intensity. And I don't know how to balance those two tones. But they do, and I tip my imaginary cap to the to the cast and crew and uh, creative team for making that happen. So, looking is my number five. You're making it sound like a lot like um, Enlightened to me yeah. in terms, yeah, of yeah. that kind of laissez-faire kind of tone, but like really clear character stakes and commitment, um, which is which is a good sign because I really enjoyed Enlightened when I got around to watching it after HBO dumped all their a lot of their shows on Amazon. It's it's like enlightened, but the the difference I would say is with enlightened you get because it's the um, I think some people describe it as the hummingbird right character. Sure. You yeah. get there a bit of that with the 
Patrick, but the show doesn't adopt that tone in the way that I feel okay. like sometimes Enlightened does. Yeah. Um, so, but that's an int- I hadn't thought of that comparison, but I think that's a that's an interesting comparison. And I'll have to think about it more. But, but yeah, yeah, someday you'll watch it and we'll talk about it more. But what is your number okay. four? Um, so I see your use of last week tonight, mm-hmm. and I raise you the nightly show with Larry Wilmore at number four. That just makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. This is another show that I'm not seeing on a lot of lists. Um. Or I haven't seen on a lot of lists. Um. Which has made me really, really sad. Um. This is a show that I feel like has a like just put Larry Wilmore way more prominently within a discourse, and he's fantastic. He's really, really funny. Um. But it's also a show that I think is just really important right now. Um. In terms of just it's a panel show in which many of the times you're going to get a panel with no white people. There aren't any white people giving mouthing off of their opinions or whatever they feel. So there's a representation angle about diversity that the show is just has been really all about. But this has also been a show that has been basically in the same way that the um, last week tonight does really in-depth editorial type stuff once a week. This is a show that does can do and has done really prolonged night to night explorations of race tensions because like the entire week of the baltimore uh riots they were talking about that the entire week he went down there to go talk to people in baltimore and it's just it gives voice to a lot of people that don't have voices they devoted a week to black black masculinity they devoted a week to uh black femininity and it's just it's a really interesting and funny, but also just really thoughtful show um, that we, I think, really just very desperately needed this year as well, especially considering everything that happened last year and then, again, everything else that has happened and continues to happen this year. Um, and they've done really good stuff with the political race. Um, I mean, it's the 2016 GOP races basically just late night comedies dream but it's also just really really horrifying and the show does a really nice job of making sure that it's both horrifying and funny and of course he hasn't forgotten about bill cosby that's right motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) which is also good because we shouldn't forget about bill cosby but yeah so that's why uh nightly shows my number four is just i think it's really has been one of the most significant shows this year and I'm just shocked that it's not on more lists, quite honestly. I'm very glad that it's on your list. It was yeah. one of those ones that I kept kind of seeing on my list of, like, which which shows am I going to make it from this list to the next tier? And I just kept having a hard time crossing it off. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't quite make it, but I agree that it's under under uh, discussed and it's underappreciated. It's what it's it's like my go to show in the way that the Daily Show used to be or Colbert used to. Yes, be. it is my go to. Like I'm folding laundry, I'm eating dinner, I'm catching up on some like invoicing or something, and I'm gonna put something on that I can like it'll be really entertaining. I'll key, I can key into, but I can also like pause and it's not like. I'm going to miss some plot point that I'm going to need three episodes right. later. You know, like, it, it's really great for that. And, and I just will marathon, like, weeks worth of yeah. it. And I'm ne- I never tire of it. I, I think they've gotten more uh, more confident with their format. Yes, which they is have great. a lot. The choice to, like, drop one of the panelists so that it's a three-person panel with him was just really smart. I think four people was just too many initially. And I wasn't even sure that I liked three people initially for like the first few weeks of it. I just went, this, this isn't good. This isn't right. But now I'm just like, 
oh, this was the best thing you guys could have done. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's much better, I think, with just three people and him. Well, and in bringing in the contributors, which I, I assume those are also the writers uh, on the yeah. show, bringing those in so you have, um, they already have recurring guests that they yeah. that they are fond of, that they return. That they, they wisely to. use, yeah. But, but also having more staple figures that they can cycle in and out to be those second and third chairs and only having one or maybe two new people um, yeah. in in the panel I think really helps because of course it allows you to establish a rapport with the uh, the panelists and so there's a handful where you know where they're coming from and also because yeah. they're very comfortable in the show uh, it's easier for Larry to guide the conversation because he knows that he can rely on on at least a couple people there for punchlines or to keep things moving if they start to yeah. get sidetracked and some of them have gotten way more confident on camera. Like, I remember mm-hmm. in the early going, like, Mike Yard was just, wasn't registering for me on camera. He, he, I don't know if he was just not comfortable or just what it was, but, I mean, he, like, zoned in after, like, a month or so for me. And the same thing with uh, Ricky Valdez as well. Just, like, he, both of them really, like, found voices and niches within the show and got really comfortable with the format as well. And... I think one of the other things that I've just really responded to about the show was um, one of the things that I kind of ended up distancing myself from both The Daily Show and The Colbert Report was just the fact that I felt like I was kind of being preached to every now and then. And I just got tired of that. And I think that that's still present within The Nightly Show. But then every once in a while, Will Moore just kind of surprises me with his perspective on something. Like this idea that he's not... he he sees massive problems with the death penalty, but then he's just like the Boston marathon bomber guy deserves to be killed for what he did by the state. And I just went, ah, but then you just see that multitude of opinions and how conflicting that, that gets. And that doesn't come through a lot with these type of shows. And I think that's really important, really significant for us to see, especially from a guy who's becoming an opinion leader within the late night landscape for that kind of, I don't want to say contradiction, but um, I'll say contradiction, but complication yeah, okay. too. It, complication the notion, is the word I was looking for, right? Yeah, yeah, the notion that it's not just a simple, you know, straight right. line that 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 yeah. morality and ethics and philosophy and all of this can be contradictory. That's part of yeah. human nature. It's part yes. of life, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And and no. having because the show, show also doesn't expect you to um, buy into the correct answer that that the hosts yeah. or the guests have the correct answer it's just this is what we feel this is what we think yes and we feel it passionately and we if, if you disagree hashtag nightly we want to hear right about exactly it. let's, let's have keep a it 100 guys yeah absolutely and that that it's yeah. it celebrates honesty and informed and thoughtful conversation more yes. than anything else i think it's yeah. great other than Cosby, because there's no conversation there. No, there's not. <laughs> no, we haven't forgotten about you, motherfucker. Anyway, <laughs> what was your number four? <laughs> My number four is Rectify, which was much lower on your list. Uh, so yes. let, let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. For me, it's number four. Um, it was in strong contention for number one, number two. For, well, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say number one. It was in strong contention for number two for a while. Um, but I did have to reflect back on that it did start a little slow for me this season. Yeah. At the end of the season, it just was blowing me away, away every single week, though. Um, I think the the performances across the board are fantastic. The way that this show uses space, 
is oh, God. D- direction so and good. cinematography and uh, music. Oh, I love if, if any show could get me to do more uh, score write-ups, it's Rectify. We'll see, listeners, if that happens next year. But um, love the score. Uh, and, and also, this season really – maybe it's a bit of, of a cop-out for me to like this season – uh, even more and to think it's better because it does get more traditional in this season. We get more answers about the mystery. We move everything forward. But I think it also shows confidence from from the creator and from, from the whole team that they don't feel like they have to live in this, you know, this same space that they've been in, that they're comfortable moving forward and saying, yeah, we're, you know what? We don't want to just stretch out a mystery to have a mystery. That's not interesting we've explored yeah. what is it like for daniel if he doesn't know and what's it like for the audience if they don't know and what's it like for everybody if they don't know so why don't we instead say audience here's what we think happened and it's what's more interesting is not did he do it but what if he didn't or maybe he did something but he doesn't know but we do know he didn't do this one thing yeah. uh, and watching everybody respond to that and just not being afraid of change and not being afraid of having definitive answers i think is smart Amantha came into her own this season uh, in a really strong way. And I, oh man, Janet too. Some of the stuff that they gave Teddy Jr. to do. Can we no. talk about Teddy Jr.? I'm going to stop talking here. Like, I could have liked more no, for, you can for keep Adelaide talking. Clemens, but what they were giving Teddy Jr. to do, what they gave T- Ted Sr. to do. I mean, this is really. Teddy Sr., yeah. Like, fantastic storytelling. Just crushing, crushing drama as well. Um, just and the best in deployment of squidbillies in years. <laughs> so much good stuff on Rectify this year. Uh, what put it on your list, albeit much lower than on mine? Um, a lot of it, like I said, just when I was making the list, I just went, "All right, what do uh, one of the uh, one of the big things about making these lists is, especially when, especially when I had to make twenty, because <laughs> <laughs> I normally only have to make ten for TV.com." Um, so I had to like be, okay, what else? Um, but it was also just one of those things where when you get down to these lists, a lot of it has to do with, okay, what do I really, really remember? And what I ended up remembering from Rectify was basically just the finale, which is beautiful and gorgeous and just gut-wrenching. Uh, the like, beach, into the dream, into the waking The beach, up, the dream, the, the fight over the donuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of that's great, but then it was just like, that was the only thing I really, like, clearly remembered, apart from broad outlines of going, Ted Jr. had a really good year this year. I can't remember why he had a really good year this year, but I remember that he had one. <laughs> and then the only other big thing I remember is painting the pool. And just everything about painting the pool and then just the imagery of the paint going down the pool and just all of that stuff and his anger at himself for messing it up this this one beautiful thing that he basically created that he stuck to because he had abandoned the kitchen and just then he went and ruined it especially after this really nice guy gave him this thing to do and he just ruined it because he was just upset and angry and frustrated and he maybe not entirely sure why he's angry and upset and frustrated and that those were like the two things that I remembered, which is why it ends up being so low is because I can't point to more specific examples other than those two things and going, those two things really stuck with me. So it has to be here. And I love this show and I love this ensemble. 
and I love watching these people act. I like watching these people just stare at things because it just means so much when they just stop to think. And so that's why it ended up really low is because I can't point to specific examples, just more this broad impressionistic of the show. And so, but it's still like one of the best things that I feel like still nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yet we get another season because thank you, I'm... Sundance. Yay! It's so Yay. good. There, there isn't a category next week for best silence or most full silence. But if there was, it would go to rectify as Janet leaves the room, basically having said, I'm choosing Daniel over both of you. Um, I hope you don't have a problem with this. I hope you don't make me pick. But if you do, I will choose Daniel. And uh, and, I, and and her saying, I'm sorry, I wasn't there for you, but I wasn't. And I can't change that. And she and, and she leaves and we just watch. And Teddy said says something to his father about about along that theme, and he just he doesn't leave, but he doesn't say anything either, and that that silence speaks volumes to their relationship and the the damage that was happening to that relationship while we weren't paying attention in the yeah. first two seasons. Um, there's there's so for me, I, I mean, it's just fresher in my mind. I think there's just so many moments like that we we get teddy and and uh and tawny going to therapy and teddy going to therapy individually and teddy talking uh to other son in the car about the first time he he had sex and right i remember that yeah yeah which was an amazing scene yeah and 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 all of these different things that happened this season i just, like you say it's definitely impressionistic storytelling and it's there there's so much beauty and pain and such a close look at family and responsibility and how much we do for the people that we love and how much of it is because of that and how much of of that and and them and how much is it because of us and there's no there's just there's no show like it on television i absolutely adore it and i can't wait it could have ended it could have absolutely ended where we left yeah it could have been like just yeah yeah but um joy and heartache and pain and open raw wounds and squidvillies so and and really really terrible but really really on point management training for retail <laughs> oh my god i'm just saying like tell us something about yourself tell us something about fine you know what i will yeah <laughs> my oh, job abigail spencer so good so good that is that is my number four rectify uh what is your number three let's talk about justified okay why is it number why is it your number three um just in part because i think it was one of those things where you go final season this is my last chance to like be like this show is really good everyone except for (laughs) season five but this show's really good everyone (laughs) um but no um i think it's just the fact that this was it, it was the culmination of everything that season one started. It was just like, all right, it's time. It's time to do Raylan and Boyd. Let's do this. And then it became, no, we need to do Raylan and Boyd and Ava in this just really surprising way for me. And I mean, just um, Ava was just so good and Raylan was so good and Boyd was so good. And I just couldn't get over how 
much it became about Harlan as well this season. Um, and just drawing in a lot of elements of people coming into Harlan and then that not working as the community closed in around against Sam Elliott's character, who was all the more menacing because of the fact that he didn't have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> best not but, mustache of best, the year. Best not mustache, but complemented heavily by the fact that Garen Dillahunt just came in and just knocked everything out just a massive beard but also dug in so hard about justified going in and basically saying we're shakespeare in terms of how we deliver dialogue and he really 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 zero in more than probably any other like recurring guest star apart and i mean walton goggins has always done this but there's just that scene where it's Dillahunt and Goggins in the bar really early on that basically you could just it was actual Shakespeare to me where they're just like politely threatening each other and playing off one another and figuring one another out and calling each other out on being these really grandiloquent speakers and it's just like oh show you get me <laughs> <laughs> and just and then just that final scene of we dug coal together and it's just like, how could you not just, after being invested in this show for so long and just being like, oh, this is so very, very good. Plus everything that, oh, what's her name did? Um, the really young girl who... Caitlin Deaver? Ca yes. I was going to say and Caitlin just, Deaver. <laughs> so <yeah>. good. <laughs> so good and just amazing. And then Jonathan Tucker just coming in for like four episodes and being like, yeah, I can do this because Jonathan Tucker can do anything. <laughs> and just fans over here at the Televerse have been right. for, for years now. Yeah, totally. And so it's just one of those really potent shows that I think also for me, just as a genre show of I've never really ever liked Westerns. And this this season in particular went really heavy on a very modern day Western in a way that just really resonated with me in a lot of number of ways, just from a community standpoint and that sort of aspect of it. So tell me, tell me your thoughts about justified. Cause where was it on your list? It is number 13 for me. Okay. And the reason it's much lower on my list is because I didn't buy for like a moment, a lot of the stuff it did with Ava and Boyd. I never, okay. I was never concerned that he would kill her. Uh, I didn't buy for a sure. moment that, that, so, so the show kept playing that tension and I was, every time it did, it took me out of the uh, out of the show because like that's okay. not Boyd. He wouldn't do that. I don't. Know I can see that. So so and also I'm not interested. I never have been interested in Raylan versus Boyd after like the first couple seasons, which I know makes me in the minority. But yeah, when they at the end of last season when they set that up as the next season and everybody else went yes, I was like, oh. Okay. Did you want Neil McDonough to come back? Well, I I'm a bigger fan of the Neil McDonough arc than a lot of people are, but um, but for me, no, that... it's a, I liked it as well, so you're yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for me, the both characters had moved beyond that. Um, okay. And so, uh, that wasn't as interesting to me as watching them spar with other people. And and for, yeah. maybe if it had been just a last arc of the season as opposed to sure. the entire last season, that okay. could have helped tying in like every time we have Ava being a, a informant it just reminds me of the terrible prison arc they gave her so that didn't help yeah me. yeah but I mean that prison arc set up so much for her though is the thing I mean it was terrible but it set up so much for her but I'm saying reasons that it, it, it the things I didn't like 
but which is I'm, okay. With all I'm saying, <laughs> listeners, is that's why it's not in my top ten. That's why it's only in my top twenty because I agree with just about everything else that you said about the show, the the language on the show, the performances, God, so the good. music, the the energy of it, the the fact that, like you said, this is this is a western, and I love westerns. I have a yeah. very fond place in my heart for the genre. Um, the, getting to live in that world and like you say that finale for me it's really the last two episodes come together to make the finale but the way it ends is so so strong it's so in tune with who these people are and yeah. who, what the show is and and what the core of that has always been as i was what i i won't i don't i think i'll ever forget i was watching the finale and i'm watching them um go just kind of talk with each other and it's like why would did you do this and i was like they don't go together and then they then they said it. I was like, yes, that's the perfect thing they could have said. It's so perfect. Yes. That's the best way to end it. It's so good. Yes. Um, and just the visceral thrill of that and also of, of feeling like I know a show and feeling like the, the creators know a show and we know the same show, which isn't always yes. the case. Yeah. But that, you know, even despite my quibbles with other parts of the season, um, the way that it comes together in the end is fantastic. And Sam Elliott, we've already said, and Mary Steenburgen, fantastic. Oh. We'll so talk more about learn. Mary Steenburgen next week. Yeah. Okay. Looking yeah, forward to that. We're talking more about her next week. Yeah. But um. But yes. Yeah, so that... And also Jerry Burns. Jerry Burns, fantastic, so good. MVP, kind of stealth MVP of that show, mm-hmm. especially in the latter half, where it's just like, you're really, really good at this. You're scarily good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and uh, Natalie Z also very underappreciated. Yes. Loved the way they brought Winona back in the end and. Yeah, so much, so much to love about Justified. Uh, the 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 best show no longer on the air, like best show that ended this year category next week is it's a tough race. There's some yeah. really good shows. Too many good shows ended this year. <laughs> yeah, but that is uh, that was your number three. My number three is Review on Comedy Central. Okay, now, is this on yours or no? No, um, I didn't watch any of this season. Um, I watched all of season one, like, all in a row, pretty much. And then decided that it peaked with Pancake, Divorce Pancakes. <laughs> and and also, they're all is, they're all is, um... Aching. Whatever, yes, yes. And I those two episodes were basically the epitome of the show for me. And also, I increasingly felt like the show was just doing the same joke over and over again. Um, so I didn't even bother. I watched like half of season, the first, the season two premiere. And I was just like, this isn't my show, even though I respect what it's wanting to do. I think Andy Daly is hilarious in this. And I think he's hilarious in a number of other things that he was in this year. But it's not the show for me. Fair enough. It is a very distinct flavor. I will not... I will not argue with that, uh, but I, I had so much fun with this season because I was laughing and I was horrified and I was enjoying myself at the same time. And the way that it blends those tones as uh, yeah, as friends of the show, you know, Emily Stevens came on and talked about this is Walter White in a comedy. Uh, and ah! If Walter White yeah. was hosting a reality, <laughs> basic cable reality show, uh, this is this is who he would be. And watching that continue to unravel and, and continue to just go further and further down the rabbit hole, which you'd think, given the finale of season one, the way it ends, like, how can they do a season two? He's learned his lesson. 
Oh, but listeners, there's so much further he could have fallen, and we watched that in this season. In which case, he's also more Don Draper than he is also Walter White. Because I think, Don, yeah. Don always learned a lesson at the end of the season, and then went back to being a horrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've pinpointed one of my uh, issues with Mad Men as a series. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is why I quit. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, with review, having having these little little ideas like, or big ideas, I should say, like the the vetoes and how that gets incorporated. Uh, this is a show, and it is it's such an easy thing to point to. But this is a show that will have discussion of if he's gonna kill a person because that's the thing that that somebody uh, does a review asks for a review of. Uh, right next to masturbation sight gag with the let let um, he's got a fanny pack that has a magic eight ball in it and he has to let the magic eight ball make all his decisions so he's constantly uh, jiggling this fanny pack uh, okay. for his like entire segment of an episode infantile puerile and I laughed every time okay well done well done review um, next to uh, overall conspiracy of was that a coincidence that this that this challenge came up that this this review came up of killing someone or was it a plan by his evil evil james urbaniac producer god best that's the thing i loved most about the show was him he was yeah. so horrible and great anyway go on <laughs> and and they gave aj so much more to do this season the the, the amount it got me to be invested in forest um when he's in prison with his imaginary friend and the prison and the other people in prison shank his imaginary friend. Uh, I shouldn't be invested because I, I really have a hard time investing in people like Walter White or Don Draper, which is why those shows tend to not be as beloved by me as other shows. But mm -hmm. I absolutely was committed to the show and and to the character and just watching, you know, the the, the lengths that the character goes to, the lengths that the show goes to absolutely uh, brilliant as far as i'm concerned i get like i say i get why it's not your thing it's certainly yeah. not for everyone but i just i loved the season and i kind of hope it doesn't come back because i don't know how they could do a third season they ended with this apparent death of forest and the uh producer uh falling off a cliff maybe they're not dead uh, no, because okay. if Hannibal and Will survive no. the cliff... Uh, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> that is not a thing that happened. We'll talk about that next week. But, but we already talked about it for like three hours, Kate. So many hours. <laughs> Anyways, that is why Review is my number three uh, pick okay. of the year. And uh, yeah, such a, such a distinct show. She was trapped in a mirror and it couldn't be clearer. She wanted to leave this place and get herself back in space. And Dad, you might think she's a criminal, but her friendship come through subliminal. Lapis lazuli, you fled into the bottom of the sea. Lapis lazuli, you were so mad, but then you came around to me. What am I going to tell you? You're better off not knowing the trouble I'm in. I don't want you to worry about what I've just seen, about where I've just been. You don't have to be a part of this. I don't think I want you to be. You don't need this. You don't need me.
can't help it if I make a scene. Stepping out of my hot pink limousine. I'm turning heads and I'm stopping traffic. When I pose, they scream. And when I joke, they laugh. I've got a pair of eyes that they're getting lost in. They're hypnotized by my way of walking. I've got them dazzled like a stage magician. When I point, they look. And when I talk, they listen well. Everybody needs a friend. And I've got you and you and you. So many I can't even name them. Can you blame me? I'm too famous. Haven't you noticed I'm a star? I'm coming into view as the world is turning. Haven't you noticed I made it this far? Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. Now everyone can see me burning. There were a lot of great miniseries on TV this year um, from Show Me a Hero and The Jinx over on HBO and uh, even including the recent Adventure Time miniseries Stakes, if uh, you decide that counts. But the best of the bunch uh, was actually to be found on PBS where um, unexpectedly uh, fans of Breaking Bad who maybe missed their favorite show and not being on the air could have gotten their fill Um in an unlikely place. Uh, by all outward appearances, Wolf Hall uh, is your kind of standard uh, PBS um, period historical uh, miniseries uh, telling the story of Thomas Cromwell, um, or at least a certain um, chunk of, of his life um, and his, his rise to power uh, under King Henry VIII. But uh, it... it 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 it's the kind of storytelling that is um so subtle that it hides the fact it hides its 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 genre trappings kind of in in plain sight you don't realize um at first perhaps that you're watching a revenge thriller and because each each thing that follows each each plot point that follows the previous one and each character development that follows the previous one is so uh, logical. There's no melodrama in, in this, um, and it. So on 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 one hand, the the plot seems to be sort of crawling forward, but when you step back and look, you, you realize um, eventually that it's actually been hurtling forward. Uh, and this is where the Breaking Bad comparison really comes in. You don't realize until late in the series uh just as cromwell doesn't realize until late in the series what he's become and how far he's traveled from the person he thought he was his his motivations and the uh you know served cold revenge that he's been seeking for the entirety of the miniseries felt just to him and probably felt just to us the viewer uh but when you get to um what is essentially the series climax and i guess a spoiler for something you probably learned in you know sixth grade uh history uh when anne boleyn is beheaded um it's it's the first time that the um miniseries in terms of its filmmaking uh tactics gets a little ornate um and gets a little embellished uh and it's because it's the first time that um, Cromwell is really realizing the horror of uh, what he's wrought, uh, and it's a it's a shocking um, 
climax and nonetheless so for the fact that you knew it was happening from the moment uh, Anne Boleyn Boleyn walked on screen it's uh, again it's called Wolf Hall Uh, if you haven't seen it do check it out I'm sitting in the railway station got a ticket to my destination On a tour of one-night stands, my suitcase and guitar in hand. And every stop is neatly planned for a poet and a one-man band. Homeward bound, I wish I was homeward bound. Home, where my thoughts escaping. Home, where my music's playing. Home, where my love lies waiting silently. Every day is an endless stream of cigarettes and magazines. Mm -hmm. And each town looks the same to me, the movies and the factories. And every stranger's face I see reminds me that I long to be homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Home, where my thoughts escaping. Home, where my music's playing. Home, where my love lies waiting silently for me. What is your number two? I bet you're thinking it's Steven Universe, but it's not. Ah, Ah. exciting. Um, No, my number two is Wolf Hall. Um, which is, I mean, introduced me to Mark Rylance, who's by far and away just, I need more Mark Rylance in my life. I mean, I saw Bridge of Spies twice, and he's still my favorite thing about that that movie, along with the cinematography. But it's, Wolf Hall is, the best thing that I can say about Wolf Hall is the fact that it takes the inevitability of us knowing how this all plays out, and goes, yeah, but it's going to be amazing. And they're right. There's so much tension in the show. Watching Cromwell maneuver and get all this done, even though he has to know that he... No, he doesn't have to know. He knows that if he doesn't do it, he's dead. And just that tension of the minute he screws up, he's finished. And he can't afford to screw up. And it's just compelling to watch that tension play out and to watch this man who says nothing but says everything with a raised eyebrow or a smirk and it's just one of those things where i'm just captivated by all of it um just the cinematography the set design of them shooting on locations with often very natural lighting uh the, the show's costuming and hat game totally on point <laughs> and just also the performances. I mean, Mark Rylance, but I mean, Damien Lewis, who I've never been like a huge fan of outside of his brief stint on um, that NBC show, uh, Life. Was it Life? Mm-hmm. Life, yes. Yeah. And then just also just Claire Foy as um, Anne. The brittle strength that she has to exert to get what she wants, but then to keep it and then just to have it all taken away from her just gut-wrenching again like watching her get lose her head 
is just gut-wrenching, even though I already knew it was going to happen. I'm just like, no! Now, how could you? No! How? But Thomas! <laughs> and so, no, I mean, it's just, it was one of the most suspenseful, compelling, interesting, character-driven, plot-driven shows that I watched last year, and that's why it's my number two. Just dynamics of power that resonated during Henry's reign still mean everything today. And it's just really fascinating and really compelling to watch. And I hope that there's a season two once she writes the third book. <laughs> Since they basically did the second book at the tail end of this season. <laughs> what was your number two? Did you watch Wolf Hall? I did watch Wolf Hall. Okay. And I, I did not connect with it anywhere near as much as you or as listeners will already heard have heard as, as David Bax and other friends of the show did. Okay. I absolutely agree about the gorgeous gorgeous lighting of yeah. the show that is like my number one takeaway with wolf hall and maybe i need to watch it again because so many people like yourself whose opinion i respect um adore this show and i i, I was just sort of like okay i'm watching it and it's good but i'm not i, I felt like i didn't know cromwell um well i mean we're not supposed to though I mean, okay. he's 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 supposed to be closed off. I mean, one of the things, and I mean, I got even more appreciative of the show after I read the book, because I hadn't read the book first. And one of my favorite things about the book is that the narration never refers to Cromwell by name. Ever. He's him. And it's he's not even a named character in his own story. He only gets a name when he's in a scene with three other Thomases, so we know which one's talking. <laughs> um, but th I think that's the point, is that we're not supposed to know Cromwell, really, because no one else cares about Cromwell the person. They care about what Cromwell is capable of doing. And if you want to know Cromwell, I think reading the book will help you because there's actually a little bit more focus on him within the book. But I think it's we're not supposed to really know him. I mean, we're supposed to see we're supposed to see him as Henry and as Anne and as everyone else sees him, which is this shrewd power broker. And whether or not that's accurate for him is left up in, is left ambiguous in the show even though I feel like there's a number of like family elements in the early going that tell us that this is a man who's very deeply devoted to the people in his life, even Henry. And even if he doesn't agree with Henry, he's deeply devoted to this man, in part because he has to be, but in part also because I think he respects what Henry wants to do. But I think the ambiguity of that is really interesting, and I think that's why we're not supposed to know him, but that's just my take on it. Well, I, for for me, I maybe I just wanted a little more certainty sure. from it. I wanted to know how what wh how he felt about a few things, so that I knew how to read what was happening, and okay. uh, how much is him spinning webs within webs, and how much is just bullshit. And uh, I I think the character knows. Yes. I don't know that the show knows. Okay. And like, yeah, maybe the way, better way of phrasing it, I don't need to know, but I need to think that the show knows. Okay, so, I, I can I can totally understand that perspective because I feel that way about other shows as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's where I was with with Wolf Hall. But I, I again, 
gorgeous. And it's one of those shows that, like, I kind of feel like I'm probably wrong because everybody else seems to just keep raving about it. No, um, no, you're you're probably right because I mean, remember, I think everyone's wrong about Fargo, but clearly I'm the asshole. <laughs> go team. Yeah, team go team. Asshole, but because <laughs> as everybody will already undoubtedly have realized, neither of us has this anywhere near our top twenty. Uh, my number two is The Leftovers, which you ha- have not seen. It's not, uh, it's not on your list, but is a show that I thought had a had a strong first season, but was weighed down by a few, uh, a few performances, a few areas of the writing that needed some some help, and then in the second season, just went to a whole new gear. Uh, really focused in on point of view storytelling in a way that really helped uh, energize the season and and allowed even a bigger showcase for some of the performers. And uh, and again, the, the move to Miracle, I mean, this is stuff that we, I mean, we've talked about recently on the podcast, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of keep this brief. But the move to Miracle was huge for the show. Plus, it let them bring in Regina King, who I know you love. All hail Regina King. So good. Regina King and Carrie Coon, just like I could watch them all day long. Loved the Eccleston episode. Loved that they finally gave Janelle Maloney some stuff to do. I have a lot of uh, appreciation of Justin Thoreau's performance on the show. I feel like it's underrated, doesn't get enough respect uh, or appreciation. And and really, pretty much everything that was going I mean, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler killed it this season. When's the last time you heard somebody say that? But she did. No one's ever said that. Uh, oh, I have <laughs> on this podcast. Prior to Leftovers, no one said that. That is very true. That is very true. Though I did. Unless you were a really big fan of Armageddon. Were you a really no. big fan? <laughs> no, but I did like her a lot in Jersey Girl, an underappreciated Kevin Smith film. I could go on that about that one for a while, but I won't. Instead, I Thank will you. say <laughs> The Leftovers uh, had just a really, a really strong season. I loved their their use of the hotel and some of these recurring figures uh, and Dowd, again, killing it. So much to love about this season of The Leftovers, but I've already talked about all that in our Leftover season spotlight. Instead, I'm going to move on to my number one and we can end with your number okay. one because uh intuitive listeners will have have garnered what it is but uh my number one is the american okay now now remind me what is your take on the american i've watched the first two seasons and while i think it is bizarre that this show does not have any emmys um and while i think that it's immaculately acted and really really well written it is a show that has absolutely no emotional connection to me whatsoever um it keeps me at massive arm's length the entire time even while i can totally appreciate everything that it does i am just like yeah that was that that was really impressive guys i didn't feel a damn thing but that was really impressive um just from a dramatic distance kind of perspective and so even though i was super intrigued by this idea of them recruiting the daughter into the spy circle um, this season, I still went, like, I was really, really intrigued by this concept. I still went, there's too much TV for me to watch, for me to have invested already two seasons and gone, well, I really like that story idea, but there's just too much TV and I already know how I feel about this show and I don't think that you guys can change my mind. I'm going to watch something else, but I love that everyone else loves this show, and <laughs> I hate that Matthew Rise and Carrie Russell do not have Emmys yet. Because damn. Because damn. I mean, just damn. <laughs> just how, and it's, 
and I say this in a non-judgmental way, even though other times I say it in a really judgmental way. The show's like Emmy bait, and they don't take it. <laughs> and I don't understand why. So tell me about season three of The Americans, and be sure to talk about the wigs. I will definitely talk about the wigs. Um, now, season three of The Americans, this was the one that, as I as I was reflecting, there were like a handful of shows, like you said, a handful of shows that were like, these are my top echelon this year. Yeah. For me, it was like seven or eight. These are definitely in the top. Um, and then it was a matter of which one will it be. And as I reflected more back on this, the year's TV and on different moments and on different arcs and on different uh, achievements, I guess, uh, the shows that stood out, stood out to me, the shows that I remember, the shows that I will be excited to revisit if I ever get time. The Americans pretty quickly separated itself for me as definitely my number one. The, the you know, everything you said, the performances are amazing. Um, and for me, though, it comes down to that emotional connection th that you don't have. And if you don't have it, I can't say anything. There's nothing yeah. to be said. That's it. But yeah. I do. And uh, the, the the arc with Paige, I thought, was fantastic. So wonderfully executed throughout the season. Watching both uh, Philip and Elizabeth navigate that that terrain uh, introducing Kimmy and who is a a teenage girl that Philip is tasked with seducing that he's really really not comfortable seducing because well, he sure. has a teenage daughter right so, you and know, he's also details. not a horrible human being yeah exactly <laughs> well, so, uh, he's He's horrible in that cable drama horrible, but he's not, like, super horrible. Anyway, go on. Well, again, so watching him navigate that was uh, suspenseful uh, and very affecting because we know where he's at and we know where the show's at and we know where his bosses are at. Um, this season also just upped the the, the violence and the, the actions we see the, the Jennings take which I think is important. Normally, I would not be necessarily in intrigued or impressed by that, but that's crucial because we're now three seasons in. We're if you're still watching, you're in with these characters, yeah. And the show is no longer letting you like do the alias thing where they should make sure to have a line about, "Oh, I'm glad we're using Trank guns this time, so I'm not killing anyone, even though I'm a spy. So I definitely have killed people a bunch." Um, this this season, they 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 up the 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 casualties the the bystanders we get lois smith in one of the guest appearances of the year as this poor woman who gets forced to force feed herself pills heart pills until she knows she's going to die because that will be better for the scene they're going to set than shooting her when she happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time just just a fantastic performance and the writing and Carrie Russell in that scene also fantastic. We get, um, you know, we get the neighbors, we get the different spies that are, or, or other agents that these two are developing and we're just watching the violence escalate. We end the season with the, the evil empire speech. I know a lot of people may have had an issue with the season, not feeling like it has closure. But for me, uh, when it became clear that they were going to kind of do this as like, season three and season four are like a part one and part two i was relieved because that meant that they could give these storylines the time they need when we have Paige confront them and they say we're spies in like episode like eight or nine of the something like that of the season when you're expecting if that happens it'll happen at the end of the season um i mean fantastic performance from from holly taylor as Paige. uh she's really fine. good she's, she's so really good, good. really yeah. really good 
Yeah. And to take it back to Wigs, one of the best moments of television this year <laughs> is Philip, or Clark, I should say, taking off his wig in front of Martha and everything that that means. Uh, we'll be talking about it next week, listeners, because uh, it's definitely winning a category for me, at least one. Um, absolutely gripping television. And what I'm doing is watching a guy take a wig off. And I, it's amazing. It's so impactful, the performances from the actors and the trust of the, the showrunner and the writers and the producers and the directors to leave that moment, to not goose it with the score, to not cut away, to not use flashy uh, tricks, but to just fill up there's Clark and Martha and their reactions and everything that that moment means. Uh, just fantastic storytelling. I can't, like I said, I can't say anything to you if, if you don't connect to the characters because that is so crucial. That's a big part of what formed my list, but for me, I mean, the, the, the development of Elizabeth and Philip, who would have thought that having a tooth pulled would be one of the most open and intimate scenes of the year? A beautifully intimate scene of one person pulling out another person's impacted molar, but full of trust and full of support. And, and uh, they, they managed to make a scene like that absolutely compelling because I feel like I know these characters and I feel like I'm invested in them. So... I love the Americans this season, and I can't wait to see the next season. And uh, yeah, it's it may not be your cup of tea, but for me, no, it like I mean, is. you discussing the Clark, um, Philip, and what was her name? Martha. Martha, right? Discussing that scene is just like exactly one of those big things that the show does really well. That I immediately go, "Wow, that was that was really great for you guys. That was really impressive." If I cared and about these, people, if I that cared would be about wonderful. it at all, it would be even better. <laughs> But I don't. But no, it's one of those things where I, it's unlike some other shows where people are really all in on, and I just don't get it. This is one of those shows where I totally get it. I totally, and it's one of those shows where I don't want it to end because it brings so many people I know and like and love so much happiness and they enjoy it so much that I don't want it to end for them. Because they're so invested in it. And I'm just like, no, I don't I don't like the show, but I don't want it to go away. Like, I want other shows to go away that I don't get at all. But this I get. This I understand. And I'm just, I'm really glad that people have found this show and really latched onto it. And again, it's just mind-boggling to me that this show doesn't hasn't gotten any attention. And at this state, if it doesn't get any attention this year, it probably won't ever. Mm -hmm. get any awards attention if it doesn't get it this year yeah which is depressing just statistically speaking the way that you're describing it just it reminds me so much of how i feel about iZombie. Like, yeah no see great for all of you guys i'm so yeah. happy for you i just don't i just don't care but fair <laughs> enough you know what i do care about though you're not is, the one pick is garnet amethyst and pearl and steven yes it's my number 10 it's your number one let's talk about steven universe <sighs> Um, the reason it's my number one is above everything else is that one of the big things that I think I am bad at when I'm writing about television is that I don't talk about my emotions enough when I'm talk writing about television, in part because it's kind of a weird thing to open up to a couple hundred, uh, like <laughs> at the very minimum, like 20,000 strangers about something, depending on page views that week. Um, but the other thing is just like, People want 
their opinion and their feelings voice, but they're looking for me for something else most of the time I've found. So they want analysis or that sort of thing. So giving like an emotional response in the critical writing just comes off as weird and I'm not sure about how to do it. But the thing with Steven Universe is, is that this is a show that more than any other show on this list with the probably the exception of Hannibal is the one that I have the most emotions about and that I feel very clearly about and we'll talk to people about how this made me feel and like I'm cheering and I'm sobbing and I'm jumping up and down and just all this stuff because this is a show that hits amazing emotional notes through song through dialogue through action just in really important and just gut punch type of ways and then and does it all within 11 minutes and i just can't get over how invested i am on this just kind of bizarre weird show about aliens that are gems and a human gem hybrid and all this stuff, but it just enriched its backstory so much this year when we gave, we found out about Garnet, we found out about Greg's history with Rose, just Connie, everything with Connie this year. And so it's just a show that I'm, where you're deeply invested in the Americans is basically how I feel about Steven Universe is I'm just all in on everything. And that's why it's my number one, really, is that this is a show that, more than any other show this year, gave me, to borrow the internet parlance, all of the feels. And that's why I decided to put it my number one, is that it gave me all of the feels this year, and so many things. And yes, so yes, tell me more about Steven Universe. Steven Universe is my number 10 because... And not higher, because for me, the last, when it came back, after yeah. the fantastic uh, finale, uh, or even just after the most recent hiatus, it it's diminished right now. So I'm hoping that it'll come back stronger after, you know, hope with this break that they're on now. Hopefully they're figuring out some more um, stuff, uh, or, or this, they're, they're getting their pieces maybe in place a little bit better, because I feel like this Paradox arc um, needs some work. So I'm yeah. hoping it'll come back, back, you know, at full force because I adore the th stuff that I saw earlier this year, and maybe I should have let it over, you know, way more in my mind than the more. I let stuff. it weigh a lot more, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you talk about the 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 all the feels, I mean, this is a show that is so beautifully uh, celebratory about life and about. In, and about individuality and about the beauty of individuality and, and while at the same time celebrating community yes yes in, in an important way and what you need to be a community and to be a, a family uh, what a family means what a family is what a family should look like and shouldn't and uh what what healthy connection in this world is and and what uh what goes with that and what absolutely is nobody else's goddamn business. Uh, I adore that part of the show. I love the creativity 
of the universe and the world for the most part this season. I have loved the way they have seeded in all this mythology in the in the periphery in the corners so that when they brought it together at the end of the first season, um, first season, second season, first, first I think. When they brought it together with that awesome I don't know that battle. it really matters that much. really doesn't matter, to me at least. Uh, yeah. it, it felt earned, and it, everything just kind of clicked into place in a really satisfying way to allow the larger f- picture to come into focus while we still maintained uh, the priority of the main characters. Each of those main characters is distinct, is, uh, is well-rounded, has is flawed, is tremendously flawed, um, but more than... Uh, more than earns their worth, it more than demonstrates their worth to everybody around them and to the, the audience. And this is a show about respect and about love, and you're going to ha- have a hard time getting me to not enjoy a show about respect and love that's also entertaining and creative and uh, is just creating a generation of new awesome children out there. It just makes me happy to know that. Right. And I mean, your talk about community and the boundaries of family and connection and everything is one of the big reasons why I responded to this season and this season. This part of the show in particular has been just everything with Pearl this year for me has just been really fantastic about her grappling with PTSD, basically wanting to turn Connie into her and just her need to be loved by someone anyone as deeply as she loved rose and the links that she went to do that by basically lying and just deceiving everyone and then the show not backing away from the ramifications of what that did to her what that did to garnett what that did ended up doing to steven i mean it's just really compelling smart stuff that you if you haven't been watching animation targeted at kids you wouldn't know that this is increasingly becoming the norm of how shows are talking to kids now and it's just so good and so thoughtful and again like you said really really creative and i mean we'll talk about this next week probably a lot but let's just mention all the really great songs. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's I mean, just strong stronger than you. Do it for her. Yeah. Just, How ah! do we pick best original song? Because just with Steven Universe, there's like right. five amazing contenders. And then now we have to deal with Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Fuck you, TV. <laughs> yeah, I know. Remember when it was just gonna be Gallivant in contention? It was like there were still a couple of fun choices from that, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, yep. Gallivant. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So just, I mean, any show that can turn itself into a musical with some really great songs. that Songs that I just listen to, because I listen to this the show's SoundCloud account at least once a month and just go through the entire playlist. And it's extensive. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And I just, I love it. I just, I love this show and that's why it was my number one is just like, there was no, uh, there was no other choice for my number one this year. Like, that was it. Like, I mean, I knew the first four this year in that order. And I was just like, it's Steven Universe. I was joking about it when it was doing like at its height this summer that I was just like, don't be surprised when this is my number one show, guys. And then I just went, 
Yeah, no, there's nothing else this year. It's it's Steven Universe, hands down, all the way. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a fun uh, conversation. Hopefully, listeners, if you're out there and you've listened this long and you haven't seen Steven Universe, WTF, mate, go fix that. Because uh, yeah. it's amazing. And I, I, I'm sure if you can uh, enjoy listening to us for this long, you will love the 10 minutes a week of steven universe that you can clearly handle the marathon so you should catch up before it comes back but uh so much to love about all this great tv one last time let's run down our top 10 sir all right so uh my number 10 was the hundred my number nine was amy schumer uh at number eight was marvel's jessica jones uh number seven was brooklyn nine nine number six was unbreakable kimmy schmidt uh number five was hannibal Number four was The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. Number three was Justified. Uh, Number two was Masterpiece, Wolf Hall, or just Wolf Hall if you're not in the States. And number one was Steven Universe. Number 10 for me was Steven Universe. Banana and Cucumber at number nine. Mad Men at eight. Hannibal at seven. Broad City at six. Looking at five. Rectify at four. Review at three. The Leftovers at two. And at number one for me, the Americans. It's been a great conversation um, and a, a fabulous way to start off our partnership. As I a think podcast. so too. This was really, this was really good. And yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited about showing the results for all my homework next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for the first time, uh, for Adam Pernas level, uh, where can our listeners find you and your work online? Um, I am at Twitter at Noel RK, um, and you can find written reviews by me at tv.com. I cover The Flash, Arrow, and The Good Wife on a weekly basis, and more than likely we'll be covering Legends of Tomorrow also on a weekly basis. So three, three, three days in a row of living in the Arrowverse. Good times. Good times. Think of it, think of it as the Flashverse. Will that help? No, because that's what all the producers are calling it is the Arrowverse. So ah, yeah. I see. Well, so it goes. but no, so the, so it goes. And I mean, maybe Legends of Tomorrow will be much better than I'm predicting it's going to be. <laughs> hey, I'm keeping my fingers crossed just based on Doctor Who tangential fun ah! canon. So ah! you know, who knows? But yeah. hopefully it'll be fun. Where can uh, where can people find you, Kate? You can find me at theteleverse.org. You can also find me on Twitter at the Televerse, and you can find some of my writing up at the AV Club as well. Um, it's been a absolute pleasure talking TV with you this week, Noel, and we'll be back next week. We'll both be back next week yes. with another episode of the Televerse. I have friends. I definitely have friends. Oh, yeah. I have friends. I definitely have friends. Objectively, I can say that I have all the friends. I have friends. I of friends from law school grocery clerks with half an eyelid we have friends we definitely have friends no one can say that we do not have friends we have friends we definitely have friends